reading today is from uh, Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 3, verses 23 through 29. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned under the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might justify, be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of us, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Thanks be, thanks be to God. No, sir. Thank you. All right. Welcome, everybody. If you came here to see Nathan Chapman, our awesome pastor, he's not here today. Um, you know, one of the things that we talk about is commitment, both to this church, this fellowship, to you all, but also to our pastor and our leaders. And one of the things we made to Nathan is that if ever you feel like you're getting tired or something's going on, you need time off, let us know. So on Monday afternoon, he said, school's out this weekend. We got an extra day. Casey and I would like to go spend the weekend together. Our kids are going to be away. We can be by ourselves. What are you doing on Sunday? So every once in a while, you have to live up to your commitments. And so praise God that uh, I was able to be here and let him uh, be off. Um, I appreciate everybody being here. If you have not been here before, my name is David Carroll. Most people don't know my real name. My name is Doc, according to everybody. That's right. My nephew's been call calling me that for 30 years, so Uncle Doc. Um, I'm one of the elders here, and, you know, we try to use the Bible as our, as our guide, and one of them, it says, is under elders that you have to have the ability to teach, and so... We are also committed to that here, so that's why you're seeing me today. Um, the, we have three other elders here, um, Chris Kellum, Ted Duckworth, and Davi Bowden. Um, they also share in this duty as well. Um, Nathan has been a real blessing to us, but, you know, every once in a while we have to live up to what the Bible teaches us. And so hopefully we'll learn some of that this morning, and hopefully we can... Uh, help usher other people into this eldership process. And so I would really like to have somebody take my job one day. And, but it says you've got to aspire to the office, so just keep that in mind. Um, if you're visiting, we'd like to have you sign one of the cards that are in the back of the seats there so that we can get to know you. We'll contact you in a respectful way. I'm not going to show up on your porch later this afternoon and say, hey, I uh, saw you were at church today. We would like to have a conversation with you, but the only way we can do that is if, we, if you tell us who you are, so we would appreciate that. So in preparation from this, from, since Monday, when um, Nathan called me and said, will you, will you do this this weekend? Um, it's been a busy week. There's been three nights where I've had to be up most of the night operating at the hospital. And, you know, in preparation of this, you, you get your mind aligned, get going. 
And I look for what are called gospel moments in my life. So this morning, I had to go in and see a patient that got admitted during the night. And I walk into the doctor's lounge at the hospital. And what I see, I see a sign that says, in order for great things to be accomplished, you have to get out of your comfort zone. And that for me is a gospel moment, just like this whole message today. Um, Last week, one of my Christian brothers sent me a verse, and I thought it was really weird. He just said, here you go. This has meaning to me. Maybe it'll have meaning to you. And so I've been pondering on that since last week. It comes from Colossians 1, 26 through 29. I'm going to read this from the message. This This mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time, but now it's out in the open. God wanted everyone not just Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out. Regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing, the mystery in a nutshell is just this. Christ is in you. So therefore you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple. That is the substance of our message. We preach Christ. Warning people not to add to the message. We teach in a spirit of profound common sense so that we can bring each person to maturity. To be mature is to be basic. Christ, no more, no less. That's what I'm working so hard at day after day, year after year, doing my best with the energy God so generously gives me. That's from Paul. And it's interesting to to read that on the weekend and then suddenly on Monday you get this call. It's simple. Christ. Okay. Want to get a little context. We've been context. We've been going through Galatians and that that last verse from the message uh, was from Paul and this is from Paul. Paul starts out in kind of an interesting position. He has to defend himself to the people in Galatians. Okay, so the first thing he says, the message is from Christ. Okay, he gives a list of personal arguments, which we've already gone through. Getting a lot of feedback on that. Um, and then he, he turns to scripture and gives scriptural arguments. And then he says, well, this, let's just take it in a practical way. So part of today is going to be scriptural. Part of it is going to just be practical. This is where he makes the transition from the end of Galatians 3 to beginning in Galatians 4. Um, it's all about justification by faith in Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ, interesting person. I, I basically grew up in church. I'd really love to walk down, down here, but I'm in a box, which we're going to talk about that because of the video. Um, but... This, this sermon is all about the law, the promise, okay? Um, so I grew up in church all my life. Um, my grandmothers took me when I was very little. We are going to church and get pulled by the ear. Um, I started going to church. This wonderful girl that when I was in third grade, her family made a commitment to being sure that I went to church with them every Sunday. My parents are... Christians, but they didn't really go to church much. Um, But that family invested in me when I was a kid, and I went to church. 
pretty much every Sunday, youth group, all those kind of things. Um, I remember my conversion experience when I was about 11 or 12 was actually my grandmother took me to a Billy Graham uh, revival at a uh, football stadium. And I remember that feeling. And, you know, it's interesting. We have these member uh, covenant discussions on Sundays, which I would uh, really love for any and all of y'all to attend that, even if you're already members. It's a great experience. And one of the questions was asked if I don't remember ever having that conversion experience in my life. I've just been in church all my life, and I didn't have this big moment. So I can tell you that I had this big moment when I was 11, but I really just did not get it. I spent my whole life in church trying to live up to the law. The one thing that I didn't want to do is I didn't want to go to hell, period. And this is how you do it. You come to church on Sunday, you go to youth group, you read your Bible, you pray. I didn't get that. Well, then I had a massive disaster in my life where I ended up about 17 years ago living in a hotel over on uh, by I-20 where the last murder that was committed there was about one week ago. And I thought, man, something is not right. Something is not right. There's something I've miss, I'm missing. You can be successful in your life. You can have everything. But somehow there's this hole that can never get filled no matter how successful you are. And it's like, what am I missing? And so what I found I was missing is the importance of Jesus in my life. It was really just kind of an awakening for me. So I don't think it matters if you have this conversion experience when you're young and, man, i got to get baptized and all that stuff. At some point in your life, there's a place where you mature into who, who is Jesus. And I spent the, the last 17 years really digging into that and trying to make sure I know who Jesus is, um, what's the personality of Jesus, how does Jesus relate to people then and to, and to now, but also how to be like Jesus, which, in case any of y'all don't know, is impossible, okay? But you can make an attempt. The real deal is we as a church and me as a person, I want somebody to be able to look at us and say, what makes that person's life different? And what I want some of that, okay? And there, there is discussion of that. And I, I use some books over the years. <clears throat> There's a good one. Uh, by Bert Gary called um, Jesus Unplugged. It's a little bit hard to find, but you can find it. There's a book uh, called Ragamuffin Gospel by, by um, Brennan Manning, which is a good place to start. Um, a really interesting book is this one right here. It's called The Christian Atheist uh, by Groeschel. It it's a weird title. So I've had people come from other countries. When we have this tennis tournament here, people in other countries, they stay at our house. This seems to be the book that draws them in the most carefully. And it says, The Christian atheist, believing in God, but living as if he doesn't exist. Okay? It's a really good book. And then how to relate to our people. We've gone through this, which is Onward by Russell Moore. For me, that's how I started and moving in is to find out how important Jesus is, okay? 
Um, so there are times um, when, when it becomes clear how, how Jesus works in our lives. And so I'll give this example. I was in a, what I call hippie church many years ago, and that draws in a lot of uh, different people and different uh, cultures, different attitudes, different positions in life. And there was this young couple that came in, and they were what, what a lot of people would call Rastafarian. So they dressed like hippies. They had matted hair, long matted hair and just were like very hippie-ish. And I dressed this morning. Usually I'm a little more outdoorsy than I am now, but I dressed like this is clear contrast to those type of people in that church. And I thought, man, what kind of church have I walked into? Okay. And I always kind of kept them at arm's length. Got getting to know them some, but just kind of keeping kind of arm's length. Well, they were both students at one of the local colleges, and they were very artsy, uh, very talented in the, in the arts, and they made their living by doing new drawings of each other, husband and wife, young couple, and selling those. Now you see where this is going, right? And I thought, man, what is the deal? But there was something about, that was different about them, and I could clearly see it, Okay. So they made a book of their drawings, their poems, their essays, their art. And you can just take sheets of paper, and you just put a harder sheet of paper on the outside. You put three staples in the middle, you fold it, and that's a book. Okay? So they laid one of their books down at, at the church one day, and I was looking through that book, and I was overwhelmed by what I read and what I saw. The nature of these people, how they cared for their neighbors. One of the essays was about a neighbor whose husband had died and how their feelings were for that people, what they were doing to, to interject in that person's life and how it affected them. They did poems that were just amazing. And the realization came to me that we are a church body and we're supposed to be unified as a church body in the gospel and I was the one that was missing out by not getting to know those people better. And so I spent the, last, the next many months getting to know who they were, getting to know how they were in Christ. And what they were people that helped me fill that hole in my own life. And you can't imagine this surgeon dressed in a, in a fancy suit ever with somebody like that. But it, I was the one that was not being blessed. For them, I had nothing to offer them. But they had a lot to offer me. That comes from us as a church body in Christ. Our thing that we had in common was Christ and we went there, not our differences. Okay? Was that real? First John 4, 2 from the message. Here's how you test for the genuine spirit of God. Everyone who confesses openly his faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came as actual flesh and blood person, comes from God and belongs to God. There it is, as simple as that. I see that here. Isabella and I are great friends. 
my wife and I love her to death. I would never have met her, even though she was said, look, everybody needs to know my name. I got my name tag on this morning. Don't pick on me. I can bring it right back. What my life is so much better by knowing her, and there's so many people in here I can say that as well. Um, I've been reasonably successful in town. My closest friends are in this body. Okay. So, I began to move from the law. Instead of worried about going to hell, I want to know about this relationship with Jesus and what that means. One of the things that we're having right now is we're having a lot of young people that are saying, I know Jesus, I know God, but I don't really think I ought to be in the church. What, is our, what does our word say about that? McManus says the church does not exist for us. We are the church, and we exist for the rest of the world. What is the greatest commandment, according to Jesus from Matthew? Love God, then love others. 1 Corinthians, the church is a body made up of different parts, feet, legs, arms, hands, whatever. Um, somebody, I can't, and, he, and Bill can't, and none of us can be every part. You have to be one of those parts, okay? And that's where Nathan, if you listen to him carefully, that's where he wants us to move with small groups and leaders and all that stuff and getting more involved and serving. We, we can't function here if you're going to be the hand and suddenly you're not here and you're not part of the body. It's like, how are the rest of us going to function? Imagine if you're the leg. Galatians 6, which we'll see later on in Galatians let us do good to all people, especially the body of believers. All right. So where we're starting out in this, in this Galatians we're talking about today, it's the law and the promise and then the unity of the gospel. Okay. So there's this guy named Abraham, which most of us have heard of. He's a very faithful guy. Well, his faith got tested. He got told by God, I want you to go up and make a sacrifice up on the top of this mountain, and I want you to take your son with you. Don't take anything else. No lambs to sacrifice, no nothing to sacrifice. And Abraham says, okay, God. He starts heading up the mountain with his son. And he gets up to the top of the mountain, and he starts building an altar. This guy's an awesome altar builder. He's been doing his whole life. He starts seeing his son start collecting sticks, and his son's like, uh, what's going on, Dad? So they built this altar. It's clear they're going to make a sacrifice. Um, Abraham's wife walks out and looks at the animals that are in the pen and says, hmm, all our animals are here. What's the deal? And any of y'all who are parents can really start recognizing where that's coming. Or if you have sisters, brothers, anybody can understand where that's going. God wants a sacrifice. He's testing Abraham's faith. So Isaac gets on the, on the altar. Abraham raises his knife, gets ready to go like that. Stop. Turns around, says, I've, I see you have great faith. And oh, by the way, there's a sacrificial lamb 
over here in the bushes. So they are able to sacrifice that. So at some point, in order to keep the law, we have to make some kind of sacrifice. And then Moses, later on, the people are getting out of control. He makes a whole list of laws, which I think everybody's familiar with because there's argument as to whether or not that should be on our school buildings, on our courthouse, or whatever, the Ten Commandments. Thou, sh- thou shalt have no other idols. Thou shalt not murder, all that list. What happens with the law is this starts putting you in a box. Like, I'm in a box right now. Y'all may not know that. I like to walk down there, and get, but the video doesn't work very well, so I'm in this box. That is the law. That's Byron's law. Can't move outside my box. And I almost feel like I'm in a jail cell or a prison. Okay? That is an example of the law. The laws are to keep us safe, tell us how to relate to one another, but they're really not a freedom. And we get blessings and curses from the law. The, the blessing is, is your neighbor can't come over and steal all your property or murder you. Um, the bad thing is you can't do the other if you feel like it's necessary. But that's the way it works. Okay? But it still puts you in a box. Anybody know what this is? This is a shock collar. I have this dog that I love. And my wife has her dog that she loves. We have an invincible, invisible fence around our house, okay? The reason is, is when we take our dogs outside, they could run to the street and get run over by a car, okay? This thing on the dog's neck, when they get, when they get too close to the street, it goes off. It gives a dog a reminder, you can't get too close to the street and get killed run over by a car. You also cannot bite the kids that are walking home from school. <laughs> this protects us. From that, and biting some kid that we don't know, it protects the dog from getting murdered. That is, this is my dog's law, so to speak. So his jail cell or prison is the front of the yard, and this is a device that makes it happen. So that is the law relation to my dogs. Okay? So now we're moving into it. Finally, the guy's getting to the verses from the thing. Verse 23 and 24. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we may be justified by faith. Proverbs 16.25 puts it this way. There is a way that seems right to man, but it's in is the way to death, okay? So just like my dog, if he gets, doesn't have this on and goes too close to the street, he dies. So the law is. But how do we get freedom? At some point in my life, I'm going to die. You know, life is more than you're born, life is hard, then you die. There's got to be more to it. That's why we're all here. What happens at the end? That freedom we get in faith in Jesus Christ. If we believe, then we're offered this kingdom to which we're heirs, okay, from God. It's impossible for us to to live a a life without sin. So if anybody, if I was to say, raise your hand who's never sinned in their life and who's never going to sin, if somebody raised their hand, that would be a sin because they would be a liar. It's, I sin, I have to ask for forgiveness, everybody sins. But there has to be some kind of sacrifice. 
So instead of the Lord going with his knife on one of our family members, he has given us a sacrifice to take our place, which is Jesus. Okay? Um, one of the things that gives us that hole in our chest is this desperation for who am I? What is my place in the world? All those kind of things. We can have it all, still not enough. Let's take the example of the influencers. I don't know if y'all get Newsbreak. It's a little app on my phone that I get. Every few days there's some Instagram influencer or Facegram or whatever person that says they're 20 years old, they have everything in the world, they're one, one of the biggest influencers in the world, they died yesterday. Why is that? Because no matter how successful and how many people they influence, they're not being influenced and they can't fill that hole in their life. You're never going to be able to measure up. So like some people come from families where they go to church every Sunday. You know, you got to be here. you got to believe this. you got to believe that. you got to do this. you got to do that. No matter how hard they work at that, they're never going to live up to anybody else's expectation. Under Christ, you don't have to live up under that expectation. We have a Savior that stands in our place. Verse 25. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. The law serves as our guardian throughout our lives. We have this other person to free us. The law it has only one purpose, and that is to lead us to Jesus so that we can be free. Okay. Verse 26 and 27. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Okay. A lot of people get offended in this verse about that it says you become a son. Okay. So let's put it in context to back in this Galatian time. So there were Jewish people, there were Roman people. Okay. At that time, the most important person in the family up at a point was the son of a family. He was heir to everything. Okay. And it's interesting, that son, especially in Roman culture, got treated like a slave up until he came of age. And then he was made basically a uh, wealthy, influential person. That happened in Jewish and Roman culture. And then he became one of the highest people in society as a son. That didn't happen to daughters, it didn't happen to slaves, it happened to sons. Okay. So what happened was... When you say somebody should, everybody, everybody in this room should be treated like a son, they need to have inheritance, they need to have status, they need to have it all. So in this society, when you say that somebody needs to be treated like a son, that means they get everything. So for me personally, I want to be treated like a son. Suzanne probably wants to be treated like a son because she wants everything just like I do, Okay. Everything. So that's to put in context. It doesn't, it's not a gender thing. It's, a, it's an idea of how things should be. Okay. So, I mean, even in the Jewish culture, culture the young boys, when they, were, they would go to say their prayers, 
And I don't know if you've ever been to Israel, but they'll pray so much they get a, they get a, a callus on their forehead from being down on, in prayer. They used to say to each other, thank God I'm a man, I'm not poor, I'm not a slave, I'm not a woman. That is all gone under Christ. We want to all be God's children. We want to receive God's spirit. Romans eight fifteen, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Okay. The next verse, 27, is interesting. It says to be baptized in, in Christ. Okay. When you do that, you are putting on Christ. So a lot of people get this feeling when they're, when they're coming, I'm not good enough to be here, I'm not good enough for my family, I'm not good enough for my friends, they have this guilt. So Matt Chandler talks about when he went back to his hometown, he got this opportunity to go visit his hometown, he went and he saw the, this field where he got in a fight and had done all these bad things when he was a kid, this house where he went to parties, and he is like, man, I have such shame when I come back to my to my hometown, all the things that I did. And all my buddies now know I'm this big pastor in Dallas. I feel shame for that. And all of a sudden he realizes that person is dead. They were buried at the time of their baptism. That Matt Chandler no longer exists. 17 years ago, that David Carroll does not exist anymore. I am a new person in Christ. I was buried risen again with, with Jesus. That person is dead and gone. So when your family or friends, you know, common thing is like, well, I can't believe he's preaching on Sunday. I knew him back in the day. You can take solace in this that I have put Jesus Christ on. I'm wearing that guy just like that. Come through him to get to me now. I dare you. That's what that verse means. Okay, verse 20 and 29, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. That's what we're talking about, this whole thing, the whole thing I've been saying is in those verses. So let's take an example. Sesame Street came out in 1969. It was one of, the wor- one of the first programs that came on television that had um, integrated actors. Man and woman, white. Man and woman, black. Most of the teaching was done by the, the, the actor that was the black male. They offered Sesame Street free to anybody educational television that wanted it across the country. Okay? In Mississippi, we had a television, educational television authority that looked at all programs to decide whether or not they should be shown in Mississippi. And they said, hmm, this is integrated. I'm not sure. You know, Mississippi just come through this horrible chapter in, in the state. And there were still a lot of those people hanging around. So this board said, okay, well, let's vote on it. But let's don't do it officially. So they did, and they decided, well, this Mississippi's not ready for this. But more importantly, our legislature was not ready for it. 
because they funded them $3 million that year. So they said, okay, let's hold off and see if we can get a little more interest in this. Well, the Delta Democrat Gazette newspaper got a hold of it. So we're talking about dead center of ground zero for lack of civil rights. They got a hold of it, a newspaper there, and said, this isn't right. This has got to be changed. And then New York Times, all these people, pressure came. They had an official meeting a month later. Sesame Street's been in Mississippi since the beginning of 1970. So things are changing. Things have changed. That's the way our church needs to be, just like Sesame Street. Imagine how all of our kids, and even me, you know, I was little in 1969, believe it or not. Um, even I watched Sesame Street back in the day, okay? Um, we can't allow our differences to be, between us to separate us. And I've already talked about that when I was talking about the, the young couple that I knew. We cannot value our differences over what we have in common, which, first of all, starts with Christ, okay? And as we progress as a church and a mature as a body of believers, then we all want the same thing. We want to love and be loved. We want to bless and be blessed, okay? Ephesians 1, 3 through 8. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise and of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. That's what we need to fill that hole. That's what we need to have in common with each other. That's why we need to spend more time getting to know each other so that we can have those gifts and graces lavished upon us. I can't have a young couple lavish their gifts on me if I'm doing this. Okay? It's not possible. So when we look at our mission statement, we all want to be rescued. Man, in that case, I was rescued from my idiot self. Every once in a while I have this prayer, I have to say, Lord, help me help my stupid self. (laughs) Just leave it at that. So we get connected, which is part of our mission, and then we worship together. We want to be people that when others see us, they want what we have. Perseverance, character, hope, and be able to pass that on. So I hope that God has done justice through me today on what these passages say. You know, I'm not Nathan. I'm not a professional at this, but it does mean something. There are things in my life where I look around daily and I see blessings in my life. I see several people we've had some of these exact conversations with in the last few weeks and how that has opened my mind and made me think. 
And I just thank all y'all for this opportunity to be here. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the blessings you give us and the opportunity to come together unified as a church body. Whether somebody's feeling like they're less than, that they're not worthy to be here, Lord, just let them look straight into me, Lord. It's been one of those things that if people knew me before, a lot of us before, they would go, what in the world? We don't have to worry about that because we have put on Jesus as our garment, Lord. Thank you for that ability. There is no other place where we can say that, where we can fill that hole in our lives, Lord. We just thank you so much for just offering that. Anybody that's hard is still hardened towards that message, Lord. Just forgive me for not just laying the word that, that helps to help them be get guided to that spot, Lord. Just ask that the Holy Spirit do that. I have no ability to do that, Lord. Just have the Holy Spirit look into their lives. Just thank you so much. Forgive us for our sins. Thank you for Jesus and all he means to us. In your name we pray, amen.